Remember that our blessed Lord is the hunted criminal. Orders had been given out that anyone who saw him was to report him to officials in order that he might be arrested. Incidentally, the police at an earlier period were sent out to arrest him and they refused to do so to the glory of the police. The Lord arrested them. They said, no, I never spoke as that man. The city is filled with people. Josephus, a Jewish historian, almost contemporaneous with our blessed Lord, tells us that there were about 2,700,000 people in Jerusalem for a great feast of the Passover, which is now about to take place. And everyone was watching for the Lord. What does he do? Should he hide? He sends Peter and John, very likely those two, but at any rate two disciples, into the city of Jerusalem. And he said, you will find a donkey and the foal tied together. Take the foal. If the owner says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it, and the Lord promised to return it. We never lose anything by giving to the Lord. They come into the city and they find this foal. Now remember, this is the donkey on which no one has ever ridden. Our blessed Lord mounts this young donkey. Why is it that the cowboys have never taken him as their patron saint? Can you imagine anyone riding for the first time on a wild young ass? And our Lord now boldly goes into the city of Jerusalem. The people see him. They throw their garments in front of him. Some they put upon the beast in order that he might ride more easily. They cut down the boughs of trees, carry palms and ferns, and precede him shouting, Hosanna to God in the highest. Praise to the Son of David. Hail the Lord. What a queer sight. Millions are claiming the Lord as he comes in on this infamous little beast. Conquerors never ride that way. They always ride on white horses, even in the book of Revelation. That's one of the symbols that is used at the coming of Christ, riding on the white horse. Remember the poem of Chesterton about the Lord mounted on that beast. He said when fishes flew and forests walked and pigs grew up on thorns, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. The monstrous head and aching cry and ears like errant wings 
the devil's walking parody of all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will, scourge, beat, deride me. I keep my secret still. Fool. Far off wise and proud. I too had my day. When there were shouts about my ears and palms beneath my feet. Well, the acclaim in honor of our blessed Lord was among some, just a few, the thought that maybe he's the one who will liberate us from the Romans. Because remember at that time the people were under the Romans just as, for example, the Poles, the Albanians, and Czechoslovakians and others are under the domination of Russia. And they were looking for a political leader. But the real reason was they praised him as Lord because this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah. O daughter of Israel, See, your king cometh to you, mounted on an ass. That ancient prophecy they had recalled and they meditated on it now. And they acclaimed him as the Lord. And some of the Pharisees nearby went to the apostles and they said, Can you not stop this noise? Why this acclaim? Our Lord said, Pointing to the children. If these are quiet, even the stones will cry out. The Lord finishes the journey amidst acclaim and shouting. Oh, the ephemeral character of popularity. How little it is worth. And the Lord does not think as they think. The Lord now leaves the city with his apostles. Goes to the opposite hill. Looks down upon the city. And what does he do? He weeps. Three times our Lord wept in his life. Once at the death of Lazarus. And once again, that we hardly ever speak of, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then this time, he weeps over a city. And the apostles do not seem as they never seem in those days to enter into the full mystery of the Lord. And they cannot help but see the beauty of that temple on the other hill. Here it covered about 20 or 30 acres, and the front of it was all gold. In the morning sunlight, it was said that it was just like a flame. And they said to the Lord, Look at those stones. Look at that building. And the Lord, with tears streaming down his eyes, said, Oh, 
Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thee to myself as a hen gathered her chickens under her wing, and you would not. Because you have not known the time of your visitation. In the lives of all of us, there are periods of grace, periods of judgment, periods of destruction. Our blessed Lord was weeping at the insensitivity of people who would not receive him as their Lord, their Savior, their King. He was weeping because of the hardness of hearts. And that weeping over the city he made the occasion of a prophecy. And this prophecy found in Luke and found in Matthew is so very compelling that I shall read to you the exact words of our blessed Lord. Now picture the scene. The apostles wondering why the Lord should shed tears. And the Lord said to them concerning that temple, this generation will not pass away and there will not be left a stone upon a stone. They will lay siege works against you and pressure to the ground. What our Lord foresaw was the coming of the Roman army, first under Vespasian and then under Titus. And Jerusalem falling as nothing has fallen since Satan fell from heaven. Sometimes pick up the work of Josephus, whom I mentioned before, called the Jewish Wars. He was in the city when 750,000 were taken captive and about a million were killed. The destruction was so terrible. Some of the Roman soldiers ran out of Jerusalem when they saw the desolation. So our Lord was looking into the future and then he made the fall of Jerusalem in the year 70. The rehearsal of the fall of the world. He spoke first of what would happen in the meantime. Between now, his time, and then. There would be a crescendo of evil. Do not believe those who say the world will get better and better. No. The world said, think you when I come again, I shall find faith on earth. He said his own people will be persecuted. There will be a falling away. 
And this is the way he describes the interval between the fall of Jerusalem and the end. And the Lord said, Take care that no one mislead you. For many will come claiming my name and saying, I am the Messiah. And many will be misled by them. The time is coming when you will hear the noise of battle near at hand and the news of battles far away. See that you are not alarmed. Such things are bound to happen. But the end is still to come. For nation will make war upon nation, kingdom upon kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many places. And with all these things, the birth pangs of a new age will begin. You will then be handed over to punishment and execution, and men of all nations will hate you for your allegiance to me. Many will fall away from the faith. They will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And as lawlessness spreads, as lawlessness spreads, men's love for one another will grow cold. But the man who holds on to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the earth as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Now he describes what John Donne has called the world's last night, which will come with great suddenness. As soon as the distress of those days is past, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars will fall from the skies. The celestial process powers will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign that heralds the Son of Man. All the peoples of the world will make lamentation, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And with a trumpet blast, he will send out his angels. And they will gather his chosen ones from the four winds and the farthest bounds of heaven on every side. 
And the apostle said, when? When? When will this happen? Our Lord said, Watch. 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 And the day after our Lord's entrance into Jerusalem, after he had spent the night in Bethany, He goes back into the city and he comes into the temple of Jerusalem. Now the temple of Jerusalem was an enormous structure that was begun about 20 BC by Herod the Great and was now about completed. There were various courts surrounding the inner sanctum there was the court of the Gentiles, the court of women, and then the court of the people. In the court of the Gentiles, animals were kept, not by law, but by a practice which had recently sprung up. The five sons of Annas, who was one of the high priests of Jerusalem, had received the rights to serve the temple and to provide animals and doves and oxen and other things that were necessary for sacrifice. They brought them in to this court of the Gentiles, which was a profanation of the temple. Not only that, they began to traffic dishonestly. For example, every Adorer had to pay half a shekel tax, about 25 cents. But those who were at the receipt of custom in the temple, the priests, would not accept money unless it was a shekel. But there was Roman money, Grecian money, Babylonian money, all kinds of money floating about among the Jewish people. And they would charge a five cents extra tax and then pocket it. In addition to that, poor people would bring two doves. They would say, no, they're not fit for service. You have to buy our doves, charge a higher price. Same with the cattle. No, this oxen is not fit for sacrifice. Buy ours, send yours away. Our blessed Lord comes into the temple and finds this condition. He releases the cages of the doves and lets the dove fly out, takes off some ropes from the necks of the cattle, and then overturns the table of the money changers. And he began to scourge them, to drive them out of the temple. And he said, my father's house is a house of prayer. You are making it a den of thieves. Well, this was the end of their business. Those who were corrupt in religion, therefore, resented it. And they challenged our Lord. And they said, by what authority do you do, do, you do this? What right have you? 
our Lord said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. Destroy this temple. Now, in the original Greek in which the Gospels are written, there are two words for temple. One is naos. Naos meant the building, the structure itself and its architecture. Hieron meant the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle. In the original of the Gospels, which word is used? Hieron, Holy of Holies. So our blessed Lord was saying to them when they asked, By what authority do you do this? He said, Destroy this Holy of Holies. On Good Friday, and I will rebuild it on Sunday. That will be your sign. Our Lord left the temple because the people had become irreverent. In religion, it is possible for irreverence to grow. There can be a want of the sense of holy. Holy means set apart. For example, Sunday is holy. It's set apart from the rest of the week. A church is holy. It is separate and distinct from other buildings. And therefore, there is a fitting conduct for the presence of God, which is being lost, which was lost in those days, which is lost in ours. Think of the condition, for example, which is present today when we view the way that people dress coming to Holy Mass. They would not go to the home of a visiting duke the way they come to see the Lord God of hosts. It's easy to blame these few who trafficked in the temple. But what are the many of us who give up the signs of our dedication? For example, the nuns who would give up the sacramental sign of their dedication. Or the priests who would give it up. All of these were condemned that particular day when our Lord drove them out of the temple. Then our Lord told them a story. Now this, I think, is one of the most pathetic parables that the blessed Lord ever told. Just imagine the condition. They resented everything that he did. In order to bring home to them the full mystery of what was happening, our blessed Lord said to them, There was once a king who owned a vineyard, and he rented it out, and he sent some of his servants to collect the rents. They beat the servants. He sent others. They killed them. Sent others, and they chased them away. 
And our blessed Lord then said, in this, telling the story, Well, at least they were reverence my only son. So he sends his only son. He's telling the story of the Heavenly Father sending himself to these people. They will reverence my son. And what did they do? They killed the son saying, we'll take over his inheritance. Well, will not the king then rent out his vineyard to other people? And they said, oh, God forbid. In other words, we will not be the vineyard of God from this point on. God forbid. And they said, oh, God forbid. I just wonder. Was the future St. Paul in that audience? Paul, who became the great persecutor of the Christians, was in Jerusalem. He studied under Gamaliel. He certainly must have heard our blessed Lord. I wonder if he said, God forbid, because St. Paul, in his writings afterwards, uses the expression 14 times, God forbid. And that was when our blessed Lord told the story. I really believe that St. Paul was there and heard this touching parable. 